Hello and welcome to this edition of the Everyman Livestream. Today we'll be wrapping up with session five of the Endurance series. Now, if you haven't seen the rest of this series, please feel free to go to everymanministries.com to see all the other sessions that we've done so far in this series. Now, before we begin to talk about this session, let's talk about what we have seen so far. First, we've learned that spiritual endurance is vital. In session two, we talked about lighter is better. In session three, we talked about how hope is huge. In session four, we talked about how encouragement is essential. In this final session, we're gonna talk about how eternity fuels our endurance. And that's what men's expert and pastor, Kenny Luck, is going to talk about today. Now, if we have eternity in our eyesight, it makes a difference in the whole world. In fact, it affects our choices. And we can decide if we wanna have choices that die with us or choices that will last for an eternity because choices have consequences. Let me say that again, choices have consequences. In fact, I'd like to encourage you to make a really good choice right now and to share this message with a friend that you know needs to hear this message today. Now let's join Pastor Kenny live from Crossline Church in Laguna Hills, California for part five of the Endurance Series. Good morning, man. If you have a Bible, you want to hold two spots, one in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that's the first spot. And the second spot is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to start part 5 of the Endurance Series with a question, and here it is. How many of you enjoy being caught unprepared? No, you... Yeah, I mean, to this day, uh, I have a dream that I have signed up for a class at UCLA, and it's the end of the semester, and I forgot that I signed up for it. <laughs> and there's a final exam. I mean, it's one of those dreams where it's like, why do I keep having that dream? I graduated, you know, I just graduated from UCLA, you know, a few years ago. And... Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, back in the 80s, and um, it's just something that, that, you know, comes into my mind. I don't know why it's still lurking around in there. And the reason that I bring that up is uh, because no man likes to be caught unprepared. All right? I know you don't. I mean, it doesn't, that, doesn't feel good. It's a, it's a terrible feeling. And uh, when it comes to uh, our endurance spiritually, when it comes to our walk with God, uh, we all need to know one thing. There is a final exam. There's a final exam. And guess what? My prayer for you is that you'll be prepared for it. You'll be ready for it. That you're not going to be caught unaware, that you're going to know, and you're going to start making choices now, especially under pressure, when you're under pressure to stop or quit or pause uh, in your walk with the Lord, uh, to either you know, give up or, or, or just, just bail out. The Bible says that every man uh, in this room, there's three things that's true about you. Um, you have limited time, an unknown ending, and a scheduled meeting. That's true about every man, every man listening online. Limited time, Bible says, your life's a vapor. It goes, it's over quickly. We're going to talk about that. You have an unknown ending, right? Just think in recent news, Kobe Bryant. He didn't get up that morning and go take communion with his daughter and get on that helicopter thinking, you know, this is it. He just thought, I'm just planning my day. So we have an unknown ending, and we have a scheduled examination, and that accountability, listen, 
Um, that accountability starts my eternity. Think about that. That accountability starts my eternity, and it should drive your endurance and your energy right now. Right? Just think about that. I'm accountable here. Wow, I have to make new decisions down here. So just to review, when it comes to your spiritual endurance, no man fights to start a race, but every man needs to fight to finish his race. That's what we talked about in part one. In part two, we talked about how lighter is better. When you're running a long race, you got to get light. You don't want to drag around a lot of weight. And in the Bible, sin represents the weight that can drag you down as you're running your race and it saps your spiritual endurance. Number three, we talked about how hope is huge. Right? Our hope here fuels endurance here on earth. And then we talked about how encouragement is essential. In the race, you know, we need to get encouraged by God and by each other. And then in this last uh, part of the endurance series, we're going to talk about how accountability uh, provides energy. And the reason why we're, we're picking this theme when it comes to spiritual endurance is that Jesus emphasized how accountability should drive your endurance. Jesus modeled, even in his own prayer, how he knew he was accountable to the Father in John chapter 17 when he was finishing his race and accomplishing the work that God had given him to do. It's a big theme in the Bible, and if that's true, and you're a man of God, we should integrate that truth into our thinking and our living. And there's a great picture in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. It says this, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. Wow, that's some heavy stuff right there. Well, let's unpack it, all right? There's some themes in this passage that we need to kind of incrementally put into our thinking, and the first theme is I pour my foundation. Write that down. The Bible, when it talks about building a building, uh, it's talking about building a life. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, you know, you're building your life right now. What are you building it on? Are you building it on Jesus Christ? That's the foundation. And when you think about a foundation, you know, uh, I'm, you know if, you, if you are in construction or if you just have a house, or you know, you know that if you're going to build a house, if you're going to build a life, you've got to have a really good foundation. So the Bible's just saying, hey, what did you, you pour for your foundation? Is it God? Do you have a relationship with God? Do you know God? Well, you can know God through the person of Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. That's the meaning of life if you're going to build a life, is to know Jesus. Secondly, uh, the next theme is I build with care, right? Does it matter if your foundation is awesome and you, you, you don't build with care? You just kind of throw something up? No, the Bible says, no, you got to think about it. You got to think about what you're building your life with, how you're building it, on the basis of what you're building it. Third, 
I should use the best wisdom. I use the best wisdom. So when you're building your house, you got to make wise choices. You're going to make wise choices or foolish choices. And you can use the wisdom of the world, which is the equivalent of building on your foundation with wood, hay, or straw, right? The test comes. It doesn't survive the test. Those are weak building materials. And if you use the wisdom of the world to build your life, okay, that's, the, that's the equivalent of using terrible building uh, materials, On the other hand, you can use gold, silver, or costly stones. That's the high-quality stuff that'll survive the pressure and will survive the examination of your house, right? That's the wisdom of God. That's the Word of God. You can build on your relationship with Jesus using the Word of God and the wisdom of God, and then when the final exam comes, all right, you're going to pass that test. What you built, the Bible says, will survive. Fourth, theme in this passage and picture is, I expect a final evaluation. And some of us just kind of like to not expect a final evaluation and just live for the now. We don't like the idea that someone is going to hold me eternally accountable for my choices on earth. And there's actually a whole religion that's related to that. It's called atheism and agnosticism. It's, you know what, I don't like that whole idea of cosmic accountability, so I'm just going to eliminate the person who holds me accountable, all right? Now, that doesn't change the fact that they're accountable, but it makes them feel better on earth, amen? That's, that's why they believe that. It's just like, I don't like that whole idea that I'm going to die and someone's going to inspect my life, all right? Someone's going to hold me accountable for the decisions that I make on earth, so I'm just going to eliminate the whole idea of God or just like play dumb and go, oh, I don't know if he exists or not. And then we can live the way we want to live on earth. And emotionally, that works in the present, but it doesn't work then on that day, right? And then lastly, I carry choices on earth into eternity, all right? So just kind of fast forward, and we're, we're in that moment before the Lord, and the Bible says that we'll receive a reward or we'll suffer loss. Well, both of those carry with you into your eternity. And so as, as a man of God, as a shepherd, as a pastor, as someone who uh, wants to equip you the right way, I want that moment to feel great. Amen? Amen. Like I want us doing the end zone dance. I want you to feel prepared. There's nothing like it. It's like, no, I've been planning for this moment. I've been preparing for this moment. I've laid my foundation in Christ. I've chosen and made choice after choice to build on the wisdom of God I expect to be evaluated, and in that moment, I want to carry the feeling of, man, you know what? I'm prepared. I'm ready to begin my eternity. And so in the passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it kind of builds on this, and we move from just kind of information about what's going to happen and my process to getting ready for it. It says this, therefore, we are always confident And know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Let's finish it together. 
So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So if you want to move this from kind of abstract and conceptual to practical and to integrate it, you got to think about three things. And the first thing is that earth is preparation for eternity. Earth is preparation for eternity. You notice the language here, right? So we're all going to appear before Christ for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, some of you are out there and you're thinking, wait, you know, isn't salvation by grace and not by works? Correct. Salvation is by grace. Rewards are by works. Okay? So yeah, you're in. If you know Jesus Christ, if you've acknowledged that, that the person of Christ, that he's God, and the work of Christ, that he died for you on a cross, all right, to cleanse you of your sin, and you've received his person and his work for yourself, you're going to heaven. You're going to be that, that person who's saved that's talked about in that first passage in 1 Corinthians 3. But yet when we get to heaven, God's going to evaluate, okay, I, I gave you my son. You know, I, 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 you're created by me and for me. I prepared good works in advance for you to do after coming into that relationship. And how'd you do? What'd you do with the life that I gave you? What'd you do with the people I gave you? What'd you do with the money I gave you? What'd you do with the location I put you in? What'd you do with the employees that I gave you to, to watch and manage and steward? What did you, what'd you do with the days that I gave you? How did you live your life? So earth is preparation for eternity. Second, eternity starts with accountability. Wow. You know, you read, you know, Jesus talking about when, when people get in front of him and... They said, Lord, when did we see you? Well, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. You know, it's like in the normal flow of life. Um, he said, I was there. And that's, that's the conversation that's going on in the scripture. And so earth is preparation for eternity. Eternity starts with accountability. And accountability fuels endurance spiritually. When I know that I'm accountable for my life, when my heart stops, and this life ends and eternity begins. When I know I'm accountable in that moment, that's going to influence my decisions under pressure right now. Some of you are under pressure. Am I going to do it my way or am I going to do it God's way? Am I going to do the hard thing or am I, am I going to do the comfortable or convenient thing? Right? And God's saying, no, do the thing that requires faith. Not go with your feelings on this one. One lasts for eternity and one dies with you on earth. Choose eternity right now. Choose the eternal thing that I'm calling you to do. Let's read Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 together. Ready? God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. You see, there's a part of us that knows that's what's going to happen, that we're built to last. You know, it's, it, that's why when, uh, you know, the news comes on and says there's a horrible car crash, they either say... They, they found a body or, you know, Kenny Luck was rescued from a car in flames on Highway 5, you know? When, when, when a person passes, it's just like, no, that's the body. They, they're, they're gone. They're not there. They just call it a body, right? But when someone's alive, it's like, no, that's, that's, that's Kenny Luck. That's, that's a person, all right? 
the essential you is going to last forever, all right? Now, we want that essential you to last forever with God in eternity. So we build the foundation. We give ourselves to Christ. And we begin a relationship with God that starts the moment we receive him and lasts forever. But now we want to make sure that we're fueling our level of accountability now. Why? Because earth is preparation for eternity. So everybody look up here. You see on this time continuum, right? And if, 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 to, if we're now in this moment, it's like a, that's it, right? On this, this never-ending space-time thing that's going out that way, headed that way. Right now, and you're whatever, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, is, it's a pinprick on that line. And your forever is based on the, and we may think that it's long, and we have a lot of days, but from God's perspective, it's a, it's all it is. So that's why there's just a, like a little tiny hyphen between when you were born and when you die, all right? The line in between the two determines your eternity, all right? And so if we have limited time and we have an unknown ending and we have a scheduled evaluation, that should fuel our accountability and make our choices change. So let's look at how we dial up you know, our level of accountability, all right? My level of accountability reflects my view of God. Write that down. If you want to integrate this whole idea that there's a final evaluation and you want to do it in a positive way, it's going to reflect your view of God. In Psalm 33, 5, it tells us a little bit about who God is. All right, let's read that together. Ready? The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. So what does it tell you about God? It tells you that God is a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. What does that mean? It means that God likes to give what is due. All right? If compassion is due, God gives compassion. If protection is due, God gives protection. If God, if God sees that discipline is due, God gives discipline. God is a God of justice. And so he will give what is due to every man. And a lot of times we like to think, oh man, I really like that loving, accepting, and affirming God. That's true of God. All right? But God is also holy, and he is just, and he is righteous. All right? And we can't, we can't let ourselves dwell in one camp and not acknowledge the other camp because the Bible teaches that he's both, all right? And so we have to live with that awareness, you know? The Bible says that Jesus was full of grace and he was full of truth, all right? That there was acceptance and affirmation in Christ, but there was also authority and accountability. And we need both, all right? So my level of accountability reflects my view of God, and it's important to remember, yes, God's a God of love, but he's also just and holy, and he's going to be, he, he judges all men, all right? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it's, uh, I, I pulled a passage that we've already read, but just a little part of it to uh, get, us, get us connected to the right view of God. It says this, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And so Jesus, King Jesus, sits on a throne. It's his realm. It's his rule. It's his reign. And he will be the judge, ultimately, of every man. So my level of accountability really reflects my view of God. And if my view of God is one-sided, in that, you know, he's all love, he's all grace, he's all mercy, which he is in infinite amounts, then I'm kind of neglecting the fact that 
He is holy, he is just, and he will judge. All right, so my level of accountability reflects my view of God. Secondly, my level of accountability reflects my belief in Scripture. Now, what does that mean, Kenny? It means Scripture tells you what to expect. The question is, do you believe it? When Jesus talks, when Jesus tells the parable of the parable of the talents, do you believe it? When Jesus tells the parable of the master who goes away and he comes home and he doesn't find his servants about the work that he's given him to do, do you believe it? When the Bible talks about we have a final evaluation, do you believe it? That's the question. Let's read Proverbs 30, verses five and six together. Ready? Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. Do not add to his words, or he may rebuke you and expose you as a liar. You see, if you float into eternity not believing what God has said, you're going to get exposed. You're going to be unprepared for that moment, and I want you prepared. Well, dial it back. Well, then I have to believe Scripture. What do I have to believe about Scripture? That everything that God says proves to be what? True. Do you believe that? You see, if you live your life kind of sort of believing that God's word is going to be true, you're going to be sort of prepared. And sort of prepared is unprepared, okay? So my level of accountability reflects my view of God. My level of accountability reflects my belief in Scripture. Third, my, my level of accountability reflects my focus on the future. Reflects my focus on the future. You know what that's called? Vision. What's my vision of the future? You know, a vision is a mental picture of the result you want to achieve. You know, I I want to achieve, my vision of the future is, I want to hear a few words, man. I want to hear well done, good and faithful. That's my vision of the future. That's my mental picture, okay? So then, to make that a reality, you know, I have to really focus on that vision, right? What's your vision for your eternal future? Do you want to hear those words? I think so. I think every man wants to go, hey, good job. Hey, good job. You you did good with what I gave you. You know, you're in. Good job. Right? Look at what the Bible says about focusing on our future. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Let's read this together. Ready? Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. I love the language here. Set your sights on the reality of heaven. Think about the things of heaven, not the things on earth. Why? Because that's where my identity is. The Bible tells me if I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm crucified with Christ, I'm resurrected with Christ, and I am seated with Christ. So if I'm resurrected, or if I'm crucified with Christ, I'm dead to sin. If I'm resurrected with Christ, I'm alive to God. If I'm seated with Christ, my there and then is here and now. I have access to God. I'm seated with Christ. That's the reality of how God looks at you. It's like, well, no, I'm with you now. It's not like a there and then thing. It's a here and now. You're with me now. You got a seat there, but we're family now. All right, you're a citizen now, so let's... Let's focus on that. But my level of accountability reflects my focus on the future. What's your vision of your future? Do you want to hear those words? Man, that'll drive your endurance now. 
You'll get a lot of endurance if you really focus on your future because it's going to pull you into decisions that not focusing on your future will rob you of. Number four, write this down. My level of accountability reflects my beliefs about behavior. And the Bible teaches that it all counts, all right? Versus, well, some behaviors are negotiable and, and others won't be remembered. And Well, let me just tell you this. Me making a cup of coffee and consuming a cup of coffee, you know, yeah, I don't think that's going to have a big eternal impact. But my relationships with God and people, showing love for God and people with my right now life, it all counts. It all counts. And that's what the Bible teaches, right? In Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10, it says this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Let's finish it together. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I love the line, therefore, as we have opportunity. Today, right now, you have opportunity. It's all going to count. You come in contact with people, you have an opportunity. You have a wife, you're going to have an opportunity. You have kids, you're going to have an opportunity. You have people in need in your life, you're going to have an opportunity. You have fathers and mothers-in-law that need to be honored, you have an opportunity. All right? Don't waste it. Don't waste those opportunities. And it's not, not a lot of them are super sexy, all right? Because they require faithfulness, all right? Versus you operating on feelings. It involves you doing a hard thing for the sake of others, all right? And, you know, this whole idea, my beliefs about my behavior, again, men are, are the kings of compartmentalization, aren't we? Where we like to take certain behaviors and we go, oh, I'm going to put that on the shelf and I'm going to take this one out and this one counts and this one doesn't. And when I'm in this environment, I'm going to act this way. And in this environment, I'm free to act this way. And God's like, that's baloney from the Greek word baloney. Because <laughs> when you get here, all that self-talk, all that self-deception, all that non-worldly wisdom, you know, based thinking that's not rooted in how God thinks, all your self-opinion, all your self-assessment, that has no value here. What matters here is what God thinks about, and you got to think about, how do I, what do I believe about my behavior? What do I believe about my choices? Do they count? Are some negotiable? Are, are, is God watching some and eliminating others? No. Whatever you've done, good or bad, in the body. All right? Number five, my level of accountability reflects my thinking on sin and heaven. And on this theme, I have just kind of a little story where, you know, I, ha I have a son. He's, he's an awesome married millennial now, but at when he was in junior high, he broke his arm, and when he broke his arm, he wasn't going to soccer practice. When you're not going to soccer practice and you have your afternoon filled and you go to junior high and you're with your, your, your baboon pack of friends, they suggest that you go to Target to do other things other than be at soccer practice, and we know that that, that can be a chemical cocktail for not good things, all right? Just like, you know, men in numbers in general, you know, all it takes is one bad idea, Amen. 
right? So, so they get this idea, they're going to go to Target, and they're going to meet up with, a, with, with some chicks, right? And so he doesn't know it, but when you're a local pastor, you have spies everywhere. <laughs> so he's on aisle 12 with this cute eighth grade blonde girl, you know, doing the, the, the lip lock. And uh, one of my spies, right, calls my wife, and then my wife tells me. So, man, he walks through the door, and I know his secret life. This is awesome. Because now I can test his secret life, right? So we had this thing. I'm like, dude, how was your day? And he, he used to say this thing, like, if he wanted to just say, oh, just kind of a normal day, nothing big happened, he'd go, oh, dad, it's just like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So I said, so, how was your day? He goes, oh, you know, it's, it's like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I said, oh, really? Tell me about your peanut butter and jelly day. I mean, because if I'm in eighth grade and I'm kissing a blonde in aisle 12 at Target, man, that's a pretty exciting day. Um, he goes, oh, you know, I just went to school and all that. Me and James went for a Slurpee at Target. I said, who else was at Target? And now it's just like, it's like pupils dilated, lip quivering. Because in our relationship, it was always like, hey, you know what? You're going to blow it. I'm going to blow it. But let's make a commitment together that we're going to tell each other the truth. Okay? It's not about blowing it. It's about... We're not going to lie to one another, because then lie ero- lying erodes trust, you know, and I want to trust you. So I just dial it in. I'm just like, well, who else was with you and James? Oh, no, we were just, it was just us. I'm like, hmm, okay. Well, I bet there was a girl with blonde hair in Nile 12 with you, and then all of a sudden, it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> got the lip quiver, because he knows how important telling the truth between us is. I said, son, you just lied to me. Because I know that you were there in aisle 12 with some girl. And, uh, uh, you know, and I, inside I'm like, but, but, but as, as the dad, I was just like, dude, you lied. You, you lied to me. And um, he thought that he could have a private life. And he could take that life, and I wouldn't know about it. And a lot of times in our earthly life, we can just think, you know, if, if it's private to me, it's private to God. Well, guess what? If it's private to you, it's public to God. If it's private to you, it's public. So how you treat people, how you treat business partners, how you relate to your wife, what you say, what you think, you know, and that's what the Bible teaches, all right? And I don't want you to carry the loss of your missed opportunities with you into eternity. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15. It says this, but if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Now, see, you're, if you know Jesus and you've received him into your life, you've confessed with your mouth, believe in your heart that Christ is Lord, you're saved. You're going to be in eternity um, forever. The relationship is not in question. Right? Same with me and Ryan. The relationship wasn't in question. I was going to be like, hey, you got to move out you know, we're done, you know, that, that wasn't it, um, but our connection was affected, and I held my son accountable for that, you know, because I wasn't going to let there be deception and mistrust in the relationship. He needed to know that I knew. Otherwise, we couldn't go forward, 
you know, with that in the water, right? And, you know, that's the idea with eternal accountability. It should drive your energy. You know, you've got to think differently about, about sin and heaven. You know, no one who goes to heaven will be glad they sinned. But everyone who goes to heaven will be glad they obeyed. Amen? Amen. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Look at the Bible says in Romans chapter 2, 16, just a, another little reminder here. Let's read it together. Ready? And this is the message I proclaim that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. Wow. Just remember, what's private to you is public to God. All right? Might be not public to man, but it's public to God. And so that fuels our accountability, and it fuels our endurance, and it fuels our decision-making. When we think things are private and we can give ourselves a hall pass to do certain things, no, you can't. It all counts, all right? Lastly, my level of accountability reflects my connection to Jesus' death. And um, this is the most important point of all. So I really want you to pay attention. Um, Jesus dying for you is a personal thing. It's personal. That's why he said, you know, as long as you're still on earth and I haven't returned yet, I, wanna, I want you to do this thing. It's called communion. I want you to break bread and I want you to drink from the cup. Because I want you to remember that I drank from a cup of suffering for you. I want, I, don't know, I want you to remember that my body was broken for you. And your personal, inner, emotional, intellectual connection to that is going to make you a better steward, make you more responsible, and make you more accountable on earth as you get ready for eternity. Look at what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 5.15. Ready? He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. You know, Charles Spurgeon said a dying savior is the death of sin. If you're struggling against sin, watch Jesus contend and struggle for you on the cross and you'll find your inspiration to deal with your sin that he paid that price for you so that you could live a new life, so that you could go to heaven. You know, it's a personal thing. You gotta make it personal. Look what the Bible says in Galatians 2.20. One of my favorite verses, if you do not have Galatians 2.20, uh, burned on your brain, memorized, this is uh, one of the keys to living the Christian life. It says this, let's read it together, ready? My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Right, circle who loved me and gave himself for me. And then all you have to do is kind of dial back what's happening in the words before. So this life I live by trusting in the Son of God. Why do I do that? Because he loved me and he gave himself for me. I've received a new life. I, don't know, I no longer live for myself. Why? Because he loved me and he gave himself for me. That's, that's where we got to end this series. You know, Jesus, the Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 12, that 
encourages us to run the race with endurance that is set before us, laying aside every sin that easily entangles, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now sat down at the right hand of God. So you look at Jesus' journey on earth, and you see how he finished, and he finished by enduring. He endured the pain, the cup of suffering. Why? For the joy. Everybody say this together. I endure for the joy. Yeah. He endured the cross for the joy of knowing you eternally and having a relationship with you eternally. And to peel back heaven and to let you in on this divine, amazing relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And to share that with you. That's why he endured. So that you could experience what he experiences. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Forever. Why do you endure? Why do you make the hard decisions? Is it for the joy of knowing Jesus? And that's where we really need to kind of put down our pencils and we need to have a conversation with God. So let's just put down our, our stuff, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, whatever coffee shop or, or chair in your house or room in Laguna Hills. Just put down your stuff and just going to quiet yourself and to reflect. Just reflect for a second. Jesus died for the joy set before him. He endured for the joy of knowing you. Do you endure in your circumstance today and, and make the right spiritual decision by faith versus feelings for the joy set before you? You see, our present decisions need to reflect our future joy and our future encounter and our future meeting with Jesus. And so maybe you just want to say to Jesus today, I'm living for the joy of knowing you. And to know you means I'm accountable to you. And Jesus, I want to be accountable to you. You made yourself accountable to my future. And when you did, you made a choice on earth to die for me. And because you endured and you made yourself accountable to the Father and to this relationship with me, you made a hard choice. And Lord, I want that. So come into my life today and live your life in me and through me. I'm going to enjoy forever with you, so help me prepare for that moment today. Jesus, I surrender all that I am. Jesus, I surrender all that I have. Jesus, I surrender all that I hope to accomplish on earth to you, knowing that in the end, I want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. So fill me with your spirit. Empower me to make new decisions today. And help me to get ready. In your name I pray. And God's men said, amen. We had some very notable members of the fire department step up and say, I was suicidal. Another guy said, I was struggling with post-traumatic stress. And all of a sudden we started talking about it.
By not talking, we were killing ourselves. But by simply talking, which for a guy is so hard to, to open up and just really share what's on your heart and your mind because you think you're the only one struggling with it. And, and in reality, we had, well, all of us were struggling with it.